Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 58, The Lake of Fire. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Brother Scott and I'm here with... Zena. And are you ready to take the red pill? As always. Today, we're going to talk about the lake of fire and the fact that uh, it's the ultimate destination for all the wicked. And here's what's really interesting. Hellfire and brimstone preachers Mm -hmm. sometimes preach about hell as if to say because you're doing such bad things. Yes. And they ignore this history of this angelic battle that's been going on. And the fact that there's a hell and a judgment in the first place is not because men smoke cigarettes and play cards and dance, you mm-hmm. know, like some would say. Uh, it's because of the alignment of humanity with Satan and his angels that rebelled against God, <clears throat> excuse me, many, many, many millennia ago. Mm-hmm. So we're going to discuss the lake of fire to find out that it was created for Satan and his angels. God never intended for men to go there, but they choose to go there. That's true. Through their association. So we're going to start in the book of Revelation where the the first mention of the lake of fire is, and it's chapter 19, and we're going to start reading in verse 19. So we read, and I saw the beast, and this this is really the chapter when Jesus comes back. The second coming takes place in Revelation 19. So the beast is that man of sin that's now waging war against heaven itself. He's already taken control of the earth, and now he's turning his forces and armies against Jesus and his angels. Okay. And it says, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the one on the horse is Jesus and his army of angels. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the word brimstone is an old English word for what today we would say sulfur. Okay. So sulfur is brimstone. So the first occupants of the lake of fire are the beast and the false prophet. Nobody else is there yet. So it doesn't really, as far as I'm concerned, it's not going to exist until this time. Okay. So the, it's prepared for this end when Jesus comes back. And something I suspect, and we're going to look in some passages here shortly, that takes place during the wrath of God falling on the earth actually creates this place. Okay. And it, it's a couple of things. It could be that when the bottomless pit opens up, and the weird things come out of it, 
that that becomes the lake of fire at a specific point on the surface of the earth, like it comes up and connects to the surface. And it's the, the land of Edom is what it looks like. So it doesn't look like it's going to be around until that time, and then it'll last forever. Okay. So let's go look at some other passages that mention it. The very next chapter in the Revelation 20, verse 1. And this happens after the beast is thrown into the bottomless, or rather into the uh, lake of fire. And there's a connection here, uh, but I still think they're separate. In other words, the lake of fire may evolve out of the bottomless pit, but there may still be a compartment in the earth called the bottomless pit for at least the next thousand years. Okay. Because in verse 1 we read, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So the beast is a man, probably a hybrid, but he's a man, and the false prophet. They get thrown in the lake of fire. This angel, who I can't imagine what he must look like, yeah, <laughs> who comes down, he grabs hold of the dragon and wraps him in a chain, and he throws him. It says he binds him for a thousand years, and he says he has the key of the bottomless pit. So it's unclear if the, if he's in the bottomless pit a thousand years or something associated with it, because like I said, it could have been converted into the lake of fire, but we'll find out. It could just be it's also a special place just for him. Mm-hmm. He had the key of the bottomless pit, but, oh, he does. He says he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So he is going to be thrown in the bottomless pit. And so it's still around at least long enough for the containment of Satan for a thousand years. Okay, so... At this point, Satan is going into the bottomless pit. Where mm-hmm. is the Antichrist? Is the Antichrist in the lake of fire already? Yeah, and he's the beast. Okay. So the beast and the Antichrist are synonymous, and they, they were thrown alive. They didn't even die. They were thrown alive into the, into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire could be the top of the bottomless pit that somehow comes up. It's interesting. It's, it's hard to figure out exactly how it's going to logistically lay out. But I'll get into more about this thing about Edom, and maybe it'll explain a little. Okay. We might get a better visual of it. Okay. Now, after the thousand years has reigned, does the beast come back when Satan comes back? No. It looks like he doesn't come out again, which indicates that they're two disconnected locations. Like if the bottomless pit is used to form the lake of fire, there's still a portion of it that's the bottomless pit. Okay. And there's still a chain and a, and a bar and everything else. So it doesn't look like they have any connection to each other. And when this angel does let Satan out, it says he's loose, but for a little season, mm-hmm. a little time. So we'll skip down and we'll read that in verse... Um, Six, just to get the gist of what's happening. Okay. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. So that's where we get the thousand year period. And uh, the first resurrection is the one that happens when Christ comes back. The second death is the one that everybody faces after they've died and gone to hell. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see in a moment they face a judgment. Maybe not in a moment, maybe in a little bit. <laughs> they face a judgment where they will ultimately end, in the, end up in the lake of fire. Okay. 
So, but just skipping ahead so we can see the thousand years, we read in verse 7, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, which is in the bottomless pit, and shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth. So during that thousand year period of time, people are living on the earth. There's nations, there's kings, there's Christ himself on the earth uh, reigning over those nations, and they don't like it. I mean, many will love it, but there's always going to be those that want to rebel. Mm -hmm. And it says they're called Gog and Magog. Uh, we have maybe have discussed them in the past. Yes, we and have. We'll probably have to discuss them more later. But he says to gather them together to battle. So he forms another army of rebellion. The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. It's not like a little small guerrilla army. It's not like a little insurrection team. Mm -hmm. It's a major, uh, out the sand of the sea, that's how many there are. Well, you know, and they went up on the breadth of the earth, meaning they covered the earth. There were so many of them and compassed the camp of the saints about compass means to surround it. OK, the camp of the saints and the beloved city. So that's Jerusalem. So the camp of the saints has to do with the fact that in that thousand year time, according to the book of Zechariah, the nations are required to come up every year to worship God in Jerusalem. His new, clean Jerusalem. Not the city that comes down, but the, the one on the earth. And they go up every year during one of the feasts of the Old Testament called the Feast of Tabernacles. And a tabernacle is a tent. So it's a fancy word for a tent. So they go into the city, and Gentile nations are still uncircumcised people. And so there's things about circumcision that requires them to be circumcised to go into the city at this time. So they're, they're still believers and they're righteous and they're keeping the feasts, or at least many of them are. Um, but they can't go into the city, into the holy place where Christ is because of the seal and the covenant of circumcision. So they worship him from the camp outside the city. Okay. So think of it. Every year, millions of people are going up to Jerusalem, camping out. It's like a giant Woodstock <clears throat> without the drugs. <laughs> And they're waiting on the Lord and they're offering their sacrifices and they're doing all that. Well, if Satan is loosed out of his prison and he goes to surround the city and the camp of the saints, it would make sense that he's going to time his attack during the Feast of Tabernacles. Because mm -hmm. at that point, there's... Because he went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. All those people that joined him in that yeah. final rebellion. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they've been there a thousand years, mm -hmm. and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So that's finally the end of Satan. Even if the Lord took us out of this world today in the rapture, it's a thousand and seven years before he's finally thrown into the lake of fire. So the <clears> devil <throat> doesn't die. He just gets to live burning. He gets to live burning forever for all his crime and his sins and everything else. Now, so we mentioned in the book uh, or in the, uh, the, um, so the episode that we did about the, the underworld and the three compartments that Guiana was the tormenting 
place of, of hell with the burning and all. So it's essentially going to be converted into the lake of fire, if you will, from that vantage point, which is right next to the bottomless pit anyway. But we read some passages in the book of Mark about what it must be like in hell, or at least a portion of it, when we read in Mark chapter 9, and I'm going to refresh our listeners' memory here in verse 43. And if I hand offend thee, Jesus says, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. So the worm is mentioned here. The fire is mentioned here. And he does it three times. He says that if thy foot offend thee, same thing, the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, same thing, cast it out. Better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than mm-hmm. having two eyes be cast into hell fire. Well, so hell fire may be in that compartment of Guiana right now, but it's ultimately going to be ending up in the lake of fire. Or what we should say is the occupants of hell's prison will be cast into the lake of fire. And that's where the fire is not quenched, and that's where their worm dieth not. So there's a horrifying thought about a worm being associated with each soul in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. Does it just feed on them forever, you know? <clears throat> now, last episode we read in Matthew 10, to rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So it would be, you know, for those that are afraid of the ones that could kill the body, and that really has to do with persecution. In the context, it was they would lose their lives for the testimony. Because when Jesus was preaching at that time, he was rejected by the nation, by the government, and they crucified him. Well, it was not long after that that his disciples began to be killed and picked off one by one, and all the saints were persecuted. So he was saying, don't be afraid of them. They could kill your body, but they can't take your life. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he says, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And what that really has to do with is during the time of wrath, when the tribulation is going on, that's when the beast or the Antichrist is around. And he's going to require people to worship him and take his mark. And during that time, those that remain on the earth will have to make a choice. And if they choose to take the mark of the beast, they can never be saved. So if the alternative is, well, then they're going to cut my head off for believing in Jesus, go ahead and die. You're better off going into the kingdom of God than dying and ending up in the lake of fire. Very true. And that's the point of all that because of the persecution that's coming. Now, we get a picture of the lake of fire before even the book of Revelation was written, back in the book of Matthew. So I'm going to show you that because it ties into the same time. When we read in Revelation about the lake of fire, the first occupants are the beast and the false prophet. And that happens after Jesus came back. And then a thousand years later, we read where the devil himself is thrown into the lake of fire after he's been in chains for a thousand years. Yes. So the expression out of the frying pan into the fire kind of comes from that. Yeah, was it bad (laughs) or worse, you know. But in the context of Jesus coming back, once he does do that, he's going to set up his throne upon the earth and reign during that thousand year period of time. And it's going to be a time of peace and safety and good things. The satanic global elite will be gone. All right. Yes. And I suspect they're going to be in hell during that time, as will anybody that's unrighteous. But when he comes back, we're going to read a passage here where he gathers together uh, the, um, the, the nations. 
In fact, I'll start in verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, Matthew 25, uh, and all the holy angels with him, which happens in Revelation 19, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, which will be in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And before him shall be gathered all nations. So he's going to gather all the nations, and it says he's going to separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He's going to put the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Now, I don't know what it is about goats, <laughs> but the sheep are the righteous and the goats are not. What? Yeah, I know. The you goats think are a little so baby cute. Goats. I was just in a petting zoo yesterday, at the <laughs> and the goats were adorable. But there's something about a goat, and when you think about it, a goat is also identified as a satyr. And a satyr, if you think about it, is remember the little mythological stories of Pan, the little goat-legged man with horns that played a pan yeah. pipe, right, and called Pan? <clears throat> that could be based on something true, like one of those hybrid animal creature mm -hmm. mutations, whatever. But Satan is sort of typified as hand. In fact, when we talked about some of the satanic occult symbolism, and one of those symbols we looked at was called Baphomet, and it was a, a man-goat doing his hands like this, you mm -hmm. know, and he had the horns and everything else. So satanic symbolism ties into Seder. And in fact, uh, there's something about Jacob, who is Israel, but when he was born, he was Jacob. And he was a twin. He had his brother named Esau. And they named him Esau because he was hairy. He was born red and hairy like a goat. So there's something about him that doesn't seem to add up. He yeah. might be mixture or something. Oh, you know. I know, it's something going on, which is weird. so cute. <laughs> so the bottom line is the goats must tie into something about that. And there's even a sacrificial animal called a scapegoat in the Old Testament where he's released into the wilderness. So it's, it's somehow a picture of satanic thinking. Okay. So the sheep, anyway, are the righteous. So the righteous get to go into the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. But I'm skipping down to verse 41 because it says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, which are the people that are associated with goats. He says, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the everlasting fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. It's the lake of fire. I don't think they're going there just yet. He's not dropping them off in the lake of fire now because he's going to judge them along with the rest of all judgment mm -hmm. coming up here. We're going to read about that shortly. So they're going to go to hell first as the prison to wait for the judgment, and then they end up in this fire. But it's just interesting to note that the fire was prepared, the everlasting fire, was prepared for the devil and his angels. Wowzers. So it's been prepared for them since the beginning of that rebellion. And therefore, man who was a thought after all that, not that God didn't plan it from the beginning, but he gave man dominion of the earth and he, and he made man for the earth, you know, mm -hmm. not the earth for man. But he made man for the earth and gave him that dominion. And he was supposed to be the, to carry out God's purpose. But then man sinned and rebelled. But he didn't offer redemption to angels that sinned. But he did offer redemption to human beings. So there's something about humanity and the birthright of the world, of the mm -hmm. earth, that is so, so important that I don't think we're fully comprehending it as a people today, as humanity today. Now, <clears throat> why did they go into the lake of fire? And they say, 
He says, for I was hungry and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered and a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. So it's a picture of the time of tribulation, the, the church that gets raptured out. We're delivered from wrath. We leave. Then tribulation begins, and the rest of the believers that the focus is on Israel and returning them back to the Lord and returning the national salvation program to Israel, they're the ones that have to abide the time uh, and endure not taking the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. And many of them will refuse it, and they will be persecuted or killed or whatever, and they can't buy and sell because they don't take the mark. So they're hungry, and they're sick, and they're in prison and all this. And there are going to be some other Gentiles that don't take the mark that help them. And they're the sheep. Okay. But the Gentiles that could have helped them and don't end up in the eternal fire, everlasting fire. And he says, so these shall go away into everlasting punishment, the ones on the left, but the righteous into life eternal. So it's a pretty big deal to understand. Now, we talked about this fire that's not quenched and the worm dieth not that Jesus cited in Mark chapter 9. Well, he got that from the book of Isaiah. I mean, he wrote it, but <laughs> it's in the book of Isaiah. It's not like he stole it, right? <laughs> he borrowed it. He borrowed it, right? So he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 66, verse 23. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, so they're still going to have time in the new heaven and the new earth. There's still going to be a moon, mm -hmm. still going to be a sun. And from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth. And when they come to worship him, they're going to worship him in the city, Jerusalem. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Well, where do we hear that before? Worm dieth not. That's hell. That's hell. And ultimately the lake of fire. So evidently the lake of fire is going to be the ultimate abode of the unrighteous dead. And they're going to be in these flames. And the righteous that go to worship before the Lord every Sabbath or every often, whatever it says, from one Sabbath to another, one new moon to another, they'll go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men. So these are the soul bodies that are, just, that are being destroyed in hell. Mm-hmm. Well, if they can look upon them and see them, then it must be on the earth. Yeah. So they're going to go forth as, as they go up to worship the Lord, and they're either passing by it, or there's a tour to show them or whatever. You know? <laughs> Follow me this way. So on it, the left is hell. That's okay. right. So it must be near Jerusalem. Yeah. Okay, well, why would you want the lake of fire near where God's throne is going to be on the earth? Well, as a constant reminder of, for those that are unrighteous, what they could have had if they would have believed, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's the torment is bad enough, but to also be able to see the righteous in glory and in peace and in wonder, you know, that's to me just as bad. Yes. You know, so um, we go to Isaiah 34 because I believe that this passage, which talks about Idumea, which I'll get to in a moment, is telling us that this 
region, land called Idumea, which is another word for Edom, okay, is going to be converted into the lake of fire. And it's almost as if to me, perhaps, when the bottomless pit opens up, that's where the hole is. Okay. Where the locusts come out and everything in Edom. And then when the Lord does something to it, it's going to become the lake of fire. All right. So we'll start in chapter 34, verse 1, because he addresses the whole world when he says, Come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. So he's saying, hey, everybody listen up. You're all going to have to face this. Mm -hmm. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Now, this hasn't happened yet because he hasn't poured his wrath out. So the reason the indignation and the fury of the Lord is going to be on the nations is because of this satanic incursion of angels again and the hybridization and all that stuff's going to take place. <clears throat> Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game. And we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true. So you can help us use the satanic global elites own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries premium podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So he's going to destroy them all. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Imagine so much blood in a battlefield that you know how water can erode soil? Mm -hmm. It would erode the mountains. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Blood to the horse's bridle in Armageddon in that valley. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their host, the occupants of heaven, shall fall down as the leaf falling off from the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. That's the angels. The, the satanic angels, they're going to be cast out of heaven by Michael and his angels. And so the host of heaven is going to be dissolved. They're going to leave their place and ultimately end up on the earth here. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse to judgment. Well, Idumea is this one small nation, you know. Even today, it would be like the land of, a portion of it is the land of Jordan, and a portion of it might be part of like Saudi Arabia or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it wasn't even that big at the time, you know. 
Idumea is the, is the same word as Edom, okay? And Edom is the country that was founded by the hairy red brother of Jacob, Esau. Makes sense. Doesn't that? So it kind of ties in about something. In other words, Idumea is a sense, the people, in a sense, the people of Idumea are satanically con- connected. Mm-hmm. They're following after Esau. Esau despised the birthright. And there's a picture of that somehow because while the birthright in, in the story was their father Isaac saying, okay, you're, you, I, you Esau, you're the firstborn, you get the blessing, you get mm-hmm. the birthright. And uh, that was a big, big deal in the Bible because the promise that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent was carrying through the bloodline of humanity from Adam to Seth to Noah to uh, Shem Mm -hmm. to Abraham to Isaac, and it should have gone to Esau. He was the firstborn. He was the elder brother. Yeah. He didn't want it. He didn't care. He was out hunting one day, and he came in hungry and faint from hunting deer all day or whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. And Jacob was not a hairy guy. He's a smooth man. He was a plain man. He kind of stayed home. He was a mama's boy. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's cooking lentils. You know, he's making soup. Oh. And Esau comes in and says, give me a bowl of that soup. And Jacob, his brother, says... Sell me your birthright, and I'll give it to you. And he says, I'm about to die. What good is my birthright to me? You can have it. That's how lightly he esteemed the prophecy. So it showed he was satanically influenced. He didn't care. So Esau said, I mean, Jacob said, yeah, all right, it's a deal. You can have the soup. And the soup was red lentils. So it's a red pottage, red stew. So Esau's name became Edom from that point forward. And Edom is literally almost the same word as Adam, the first man. Mm-hmm. And Adam literally means red man. He was red. Like how red? Like red red? Like red like soil red. Okay. Ever been to Alabama? Yes. You ever seen the soil? Mm-hmm. Okay, that red. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Okay. It's like, like the white red? <laughs> well, and I say that because um, man was made from the dust of the earth. Mm-hmm. So I suspect the soil that God took him from was like red soil. So anyway, red man. So Edom, a red man, but not God's red, Satan's red. Okay. Right. So Edom, which also I've been reading a fantastic book called Birthright, and it's written by an an author named Timothy Alberino, and I'm trying to reach out to him. I think you would love meeting this guy. Okay. Yeah, because we talked about Ryan Peterson, who's, by the way, his book, uh, by the time you're hearing this, it may be available, but it's, order, but it's available for pre-ordering now, The Final Ooh. Nephilim. So, and I did post our video interview with him finally on YouTube if you want to go watch it. It's the same comfort information as the audio podcast version of episode 48, but now you get to see us. Talking. Yes. So anyway, Timothy, I've reached out to him because I'd like him to do an interview too, and he's kind of like a if you go to his website, he's kind of like an Indiana Jones sort of guy, Ooh. you know? So he travels a lot, you mm-hmm. know, and he did, goes to archaeological digs. But his book, Birthright, is fantastic. And it's talking about um, many, many things, but he talks about the alien invasion and angels and all that stuff. But he brings up Edom and Esau in a very interesting way. 
Like they're, they're a physical country on the earth and it was a physical man, Jacob's brother. But they're also a picture and type of something else that might be a clue to one of those intergalactic battles that took place before God even made man on the earth. And that perhaps their headquarters in this battle was the planet Mars, which is a red planet. Makes sense. The red planet, right? And Mars has always been associated with war. It was known as Aries, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. So anyway, fascinating book, and I hope to have him on. Now, <laughs> so Idumea may be a picture of, you know, because he talks about his sword's going to be bathed in heaven. It's like the battle's not just in this little country of Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's heavens involved. Yes. The starry heavens. Verse uh, 6, the sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath the sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And I'm going to skip down to verse 8. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. So twice he's mentioned Idumea and how the Lord's going to battle. And he's casting down the host of heaven into this place, mm-hmm. evidently. And so what, is, what happens to this place? Verse 9. And the streams thereof, the little rivers in Edom, shall be turned into pitch and the dust thereof into brimstone. Sulfur, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's the same description as the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. So it's almost to me as though the land of Idumea, with all the cataclysmic and earthquakes and things going on in God's wrath, opens up and becomes the mouth of the lake of fire. And maybe below it is still the bottomless pit where Satan will be chained for a while, mm-hmm. something like that. Maybe there are two different locations, but I see a connection, you know. So that's where I believe that uh, the lake of fire is going to come from, and it's going to be located in Idumea. So if you are going up to Jerusalem in the new heaven and the new earth, and it's still going to be there, even on the new earth, and you go up to worship the Lord, you're going to be able to either pass by or take a tour or something mm-hmm. and see that thing. And, and when we see that, it's not like we're going to sit there and mourn and weep for the people that we love that are in it, if there are. You know, it's important that we reach out to everybody that we love and care about with the truth of the gospel. But once God's perfect justice is measured out, It's not like we're going to see that and be sad anymore because he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. It'll be the just and fitting end of those that are there because it's the choice they made, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sad, but I don't think we'll feel remorse over it. I don't see how we could. Now, to kind of bring this thing to a bit of a close, we'll go back to Revelation again in chapter 6, and we're going to notice something. One of the things we read in um, one of the passages in Isaiah was that the heavens were going to roll together like a scroll. And then we also read in this passage we just finished that um, he's, the host of heaven is going to be dissolved. So it's almost like something is going to change in the heavens in such a way that we can see it. Mm-hmm. You know. So we'll read in chapter 6 of Revelation verse 12. And I beheld when he'd opened the sixth seal, and seven seals are open. This is the sixth one. And lo, there was a great earthquake, 
and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And so there's been plenty of earthquakes in our history, you know, and no telling what they were like during the flood of Noah. Yeah. Right? But this is remarkable because it's a great earthquake, and it causes the sun to become black and the moon to become as blood. But it also does this, verse 13, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Now, I'm going to have to probably do another episode about the fig tree because there's something about that that ties back into this alien invasion of the fallen angels pretending. Yeah. Yeah. Because Christ made a comment about a fig tree, and he says that it was a sign that when you saw the leaves shoot forth, you know summer is near. You know, because, I mean, you planted a fig tree, you see it budding. Oh, okay, spring is here, and soon it'll be giving us fruit. Well, something about this untimely figs being cast to the earth as shaken by a wind. And uh, he might have been saying, you're going to be able to know when these things start to happen because humanity is going to start to change. There's something going on. I believe there's hybrids walking among us. Mm-hmm. I know Mark Zuckerberg is one. Why? That, because he's an android. <laughs> that guy, if he's not an alien hybrid, then there aren't any. I'm telling you, that, that guy, there's something wrong with him. Anyway, yeah, I know. I'm half joking, but I'm really not. Verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the, uh, oh, verse 14, sorry. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. I'm sure he's going to shut us down off of Facebook now because <laughs> no, I said that. Sure. <laughs> hey, he's been called worse, I'm sure. <laughs> but I do think the man's a hybrid. Uh, anyway, so, uh, and so the heaven departed as a scroll and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This is something you don't see. We've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is going to be so cataclysmic that it would make sense to me that if this earthquake took place and it does that much around it with the stars falling and everything else, it's probably the formation of the lake of fire, I would think, because it's not long before the beast and the false prophet are thrown in it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would suggest is happening during that time. Now, so what we've learned so far is that it doesn't exist now, but it will. It might be formed here in Revelation 6, and I do believe it's going to be the land of Edom converted into it, whatever, and Mm -hmm. somehow connected possibly to the bottomless pit. And then the first occupants are the beast and the false prophet. Yes. And then later Satan will be cast in there at the end of the thousand years. Mm -hmm. But then comes the final judgment. And I want to read this in Revelation 20 because this is the ultimate end. When Christ said, depart ye into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. What's because they're there first. So I believe the angels will be in there too. And that casting down of the figs might have associated with them going into the lake of fire. Okay. You know, before Satan. So beast and false prophet first, apparently the, the naughty figs. There's even, a, there's even a reference in the Bible to naughty figs. But I love figs. I do too. But not naughty figs. Not naughty figs. <laughs> like, like, I love goats too. Oh, I love figs. Man, I love fig ice cream. Have you ever had that? No. My grandmother used to make that. Really? Oh, man. I need to find that recipe. You do. <laughs> so anyway, Revelation 20, and this is after the devil's thrown into the bottomless pit. And this here's what happens. Verse 11, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God 
and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, you might recognize some of this because we've talked about the book of life. Mm -hmm. And the dead, which were in hell, uh, uh, the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So basically, Hades is emptied out. The three compartments emptied out. And they were judged every man according to their works. I don't think, um, I, I know the angels faced a judgment too that were in the bottomless pit. So they probably, maybe their judgment was they came out and they were turned into these locusts or something mm -hmm. during the time of tribulation. I'm not sure. But ultimately, they'll be cast into the lake of fire too. Because it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So like I said last week in the episode about the journey to hell, that's not the worst that is going to happen. Because not only would you die once and end up in hell's prison for at least a thousand years, uh, you'll end up in this judgment. And when your name is not found written in the book of life, your ultimate end will be to be cast into the lake of fire. And that's the second death. It says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. The only way you can know your name is written in the book of life, which is the book of life of the Lamb, mm -hmm. is to believe on Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, another thought here, Zena, in Jude, which is right before the book of Revelation. And it's interesting because the book of Jude, which is right before the book of Revelation, talks about angels. Really? And it talks about the sin they committed and other men that wanted to sin with them. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the context of it all, he says in verse 5, there's only one chapter, uh, Jude writes, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now, you know the story of Moses and the children of Israel coming yes. out of Egypt and God parts the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. Well, before they left, he poured all kinds of plagues on the land of Egypt because Pharaoh would not let my people go, mm -hmm. right? And Egypt is a type of the world in the governmental system. Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. Okay. And the plagues are a type of the book of Revelation and the and the plagues that are released during that time. So everything comes back. Everything is full circle, you know, nothing new under the sun, right? Very true. So first he mentions Egypt, and it's a picture of tribulation. Then he says, verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. And we've talked about those in tartar sauce, right? Mm -hmm. Tartar -ruse. <laughs> right, and those are the angels that took the wives of men. Mm -hmm. Genesis 6, which is going to happen again. Something like that is going to happen again <clears throat> in the last days. So he's saying, remember how God did this to Egypt, a picture of the tribulation, how the angels were put into the bottomless pit. They're going to be let out during the time of tribulation and mm -hmm. then thrown in the lake of fire. Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, the eternal fire is the lake of fire. That's what it is. So he mentions Sodom and Gomorrah, and we've talked about that before. Yes. And remember that it's, it's sort of misconstrued as to be one particular sin when, in fact, it was some men that wanted to procreate with angels, fornicate yes. with angels. So it's another picture of the involvement of angels mm 
in the time of tribulation, how that something here is going to be going on. They're not going to be taking them in as wives again. It looks like by the time that the Antichrist appears, humanity in general has gone ahead and said, we turn over the title deed to you, Satan. Mm -hmm. God gave the earth to man, and man is going to eventually say, we don't care about God. You can come rule us. You come be our God. Here's the birthright. Just and like we're going to take it back because we don't want to give it to him. Well, Jesus will come and take it back. Thank you, Jesus. And isn't it interesting that the Son of God, who's the creator of heaven and earth, mm-hmm. had to be born of a virgin to become human so that he could redeem mankind. That is crazy. Because otherwise he wouldn't qualify to take back the birthright. Now, why is that? Because he wouldn't. if he's just God, he's not human. If he was just an angel, he's not human. Mm-hmm. But if he's God in man, born of a virgin, died as a human being could die on a cross and rose again from the dead, he's entitled to it. Okay. So that's why this whole thing about redemption of humanity is so important. God could have redeemed mankind any way he wanted to. How did he do it? By becoming a human being. The seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. There's something so profound in that, and I have to mention it again. It's expounded very well by Tim Alberino in the book Birthright. Okay. So I, I really hope he calls me back. <laughs> Please call us back, Tim. Please we'll call us, Tim. We'll, we'll make it worth your while, I promise. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, tying all this into the eternal vengeance, the vengeance of the eternal fire is because that's what ultimately all this is going to be. And what finally happens then, and we've talked about this before, but just to give us a, an opportunity to end on a happy note. Yes. Yep. <laughs> After those are cast into the lake of fire, the remaining occupants of God's kingdom are the righteous. Mm -hmm. And so what he does in chapter 21 of Revelation verse 1 is, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And we've talked about that before. I think it's the sea of glass that separates God from man Mm -hmm. today. And I, John, saw the another one of the changes in the host when it's dissolved is to separate, get rid of that barrier, Mm -hmm. you know. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And again, the importance of why it is that a man shall leave his father and cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Marriage has always been a picture of God's love for the church. Yes. Always. It's so beautiful. And that's why he said, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, because it was intended to be when God says, you're redeemed, you're my beloved, he can't forsake us. He'll never leave us. And finally, verse 3, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, the city, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That is the greatest hope that a person could have. Yes. You know? So on that note, I think what I want to do is next episode, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the world to come. 
Ooh. We're going to talk about this coming heaven and earth and even the world of the millennial reign, the thousand years, mm -hmm. because it's sort of a picture, a picture, a taste of it or precursor of the new heaven and the new earth. So I hope you'll tune in. Yes, please do. Thank you guys so much for always tuning in to our podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share. And as always, if you have any questions or concerns, please leave them down in the comment section. We love to interact with you guys. Thank you so much again, Zena, as always, for being here. We appreciate your writing us. <laughs> Thank you for your emails yes. again and all the nice things you're saying. And we'll see you next week, Lord willing. Yes, we will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.